Hey everybody, uh, welcome to the Film Pigs podcast. Uh, it's me, Todd. Just like last month, I had to do one of these uh, bacon episodes, and I, 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 I wasn't allowed to fully prepare uh, with segments and everything as a proper host, uh, because Skelton works, and Falk works, and it's cool to have friends who work. I feel good about that. It'll rub you off on allowed? me. allowed? What? You weren't allowed to prepare? Well, no. I, I mean, I prepared something else, and then oh, things oh. fell through. Well, you put that in the hopper for next time. Yeah, yeah. No, it's waiting. It's it's waiting. Actually, what I had prepared, like, three months ago has changed. There, there's a lot I... I don't know if I'm going to do what I was going to do anymore. I was just uh, going to do movies about hunting Nazis, and I'm still passionate about that. But That's still a good one. We'll, we still do that. Yeah, yeah. We should. We should. Um, it's just, I don't know. A lot has happened. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Nazis aren't going to go away between now and the next time we have the opportunity to do a full uh, podcast. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. Call me and call, and, call me Mr. Cynical. But, and Nazis uh, are fun to watch movies in which they're thwarted or dealt with on some level that gets rid of them. Yeah. Um, and how can you not want that? So yeah, we'll do. We'll definitely do that. We'll do. We'll do that. It's just I've been waiting to do it for several months. So there's a certain level of oh, I've been waiting to do this so long. Maybe, you know, people won't like it. No, punching Nazis is evergreen. Okay. All right. Cool. So we'll we'll talk about that. But we're that's not what we're doing now. Because oh, oh. uh you're here, thank yeah. God. Yeah. Uh but uh Stephen Falk, who was here last month right. to do a bacon with me because you were building a robot. Right. Now he's building some kind of show program, like a oh. program. He's I doing a program? He's making a program. Uh, with people who are oh. talented, I guess. That's I don't, exciting. I, I don't know. I've not been asked to take part yet. I assume, you know, they always have a place for me. Yeah. You know, in shows, they think of me down the line. Not, I'm, like, yeah. I'm not what launches the thing. I'm what, like, later on down the line, you're like, oh, we should give that guy a job. That's what I'm... I'm waiting for you're that. One of those, you're one of those guys. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I am, <laughs> I am one like, of those guys. It's like you're the. It's like the. It's like a notch below a JT Walsh. It's, you're not a. Hey, that. It's that guy. It's. Oh yeah, they give that guy a job once in a while. No, JT. Like that's my dream is to become like a guy who everyone thinks of. That's what I. But that's what I said. It's. It's you're. Yeah. You're. You're not at that level yet. No, I have like like I have a handful of people who will think of me for the particular role that I'm good for. Right. But I don't have it's not a go to. I guess that could be hard. Like if you're JT Walsh and people are like, oh, you're going to play the fat asshole who's done something horrible, who's going to have a heart attack and is covering everything up. That's what JT Walsh did yeah. pretty much all the time. And if you had that character, you thought J.T. Walsh. So maybe it's better for me artistically or emotionally not to like. I like. What would the Todd Anderson part be? 
that you would think everybody would think of. Like, oh, we have this character. Todd has to play that. What would like it be? the like the perpetually frustrated guy. <laughs> yeah, but that's so general. That's like, like if you're doing a broad comedy and you have the guy who's angry for no real reason, and he's got red hair, so that plays into right, the stereotype, right. and it, uh, it, that all works out. But only in a broad comedy. But the character's not like what you're saying is not a defined character. It's an emotion. I can only play one emotion, but I. I mean, more the character. Like J.T. Walsh had a character every time. Right, right. Yeah, it, yeah. That's it. That was the well-rounded. You know, again, like I'm. But I'm saying it's you have to start somewhere before you can become a J.T. Walsh guy. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, you're you're asking for like the full J.T. Walsh treatment out of the gate, and <laughs> you know, uh, frankly, already, a, I, frankly, wait, it's a little arrogant. Wait, wait. Let's slow down for a second. When you say out of the gate. Let's define that. Oh, I just met at the start of this podcast. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's fair. I shouldn't ask for something like that out of the gate on an hour long audio. I'm, I apologize. Yeah, no, that's I really more like a, like a, at a midpoint at best, yeah, at yeah. earliest. I was out of line. I was more thinking because you know me and I was, and you yeah. sort of understand no, my and, career. Yeah, and you thought I was going to be supportive and helpful. Yeah. Yeah, no, but you weren't, and that's no. So, so obviously, because Steve's not here, uh, the other Steve, uh, not you. Yeah, no, I know I'm here. Yeah, you're here. You're doing great. Thank you. Um, but uh, I thought we'd talk about because okay, so everybody is talking about the Snyder Cut. Never heard of it. Mm. Well, let me break it down for you. Uh, it's on HBO Max right now. Ooh, that's the maximum HBO you can get. It's the most HBO, and it's it's there, and it's a four-hour cut of Justice League. Oh, boy. Um, which was credited to Zack Snyder originally, but this is called the Snyder Cut. Because right. No, because Joss Whedon had, did the theatrical release because of the Snyder's family uh, tragedy. But he was only given a writer's credit, so... Right. It was still... Zack Snyder's movie, but now Zack Snyder's like, that was not my movie. This is my movie, which is in a four, three aspect ratio. Right. So you're supposed to watch it on an old tube TV. Right. Yeah. No, if you can find the smallest, uh, tube TV you can find, like it's the opposite of, uh, how you're supposed to watch tenant. <laughs> yeah. Tenant, which is finally back. It's finally back in theaters for the first time. I mean, not the first time, but it's the first time it's finally back this time. Right. The said the this time around. Yeah. 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 I having only uh, seen Tenet on my television. I I really don't understand what a larger screen could possibly do to enhance Tenet. Do you know? I, it could make it larger. Right, but will that fix it? Oh no, 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 no! But it'll it'll definitely be larger. Yep, yep. That's true. In in any event, we're not here to talk about uh, Tenant. Uh, oh, too bad. Uh, we are here to talk about director's cuts in general. Yeah. Now I don't know how you felt about the Snyder cut. I had here. Go. Here's the weird thing. Here's the weird thing about the Snyder cut. 
Um, I didn't hate it. Um, uh, but I'm also kind of ambivalent, ambivalent towards all of the, the DC, most of the DC, uh, comic book stuff, the Snyder stuff in particular, like live action um, or yeah, the live action stuff. Like, you know, I didn't care, uh, for man of steel, although I really liked the Hans Zimmer score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, I thought that that was Zimmer, right? Uh, yes, steel, I, I think. believe so. Yeah. Um, I thought like out of everything in that one, the biggest challenge was living up to or trying to just not be compared to the John Williams classic Superman score. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that score actually did a really, really good job standing on its own. Um, and the really hard thing to do because that, that Williams score is classic. Yeah. Absolutely classic. But uh, also, also so, what you're saying is the score challenged the original but but the movie didn't come in yeah close yeah I, I i didn't I, I didn't like it like i almost liked it i i almost liked i liked the take of man of steel is it being you know uh from the the perspective of it being actually almost a first contact mm-hmm. uh story uh, i thought that was actually a good take i just it's it's again it's the the snyder take on on the comic book heroes is to make them so uh drab and washed out and depressing and 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 he did it to superman who is like the opposite of that uh and well and i definitely felt like like as boring as the whedon version was uh he like removed more colors for this Snyder. Well, yeah, no, no, we didn't. Like, we didn't. It's, it's re- drabber. We did the, the redid the. Yeah, no. Well, it's. I don't think it's drabber. It's it's, it's as exactly drab as it was intended initially, and we didn't change the color palette um, before uh, it was confirmed. He's a giant, horrible monster. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, that came after the color correction in Justice League, uh, but. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so, well, also but, before I think right. it was a well, it was before. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying the 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 uh, avalanche of confirmation, right? Uh, right. But uh, but yeah, so yeah, Man of Steel, I I, I didn't care for. Um, you know, Batman v Superman was uh, mm. uh, tedious. Um, even though I again, I kind of like. I thought Ben Affleck was a pretty decent Batman. Yeah, my brother-in-law likes him. I don't get that. I, I didn't. I, 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 I just. I just. I all I'm saying is, I didn't. Ha- I, I didn't hate him as Batman. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I, I didn't expe- hate him. Either. I was expecting to, to absolutely yeah. hate him, and I was like, you know what? He's I. He's doing okay. I don't um, think I've so, hated any Batman, like his performances, but I. I, I uh, the thing about Ben Affleck's Batman is it's so underwritten out of the gate. Mm-hmm. That I don't know what anyone's supposed to do, but they didn't pick the most interesting actor to fill in the empty space, right? That they right. had created. No, and that's why they're that's why they're trying to get Michael Keaton back as multiverse Batman for all the movies. You want to uh, you, you want to get nuts? Let's, yeah, get, let's nuts. get nuts. But I still think, and I've said this multiple times on this podcast as well. I'm sure. I still think, um, you know. Uh, they're just leaving money on the table by not doing the live action adaptation of the Frank Miller, Lynn Varley, uh, Dark Knight Returns 
series from the 80s with Michael Keaton as Batman as the as the old retired Batman mm-hmm. that is I'm sorry that's just money on the table just, oh, like why that just hasn't it's a no brainer it's so anyway so we get yeah but they're a no brainer once they got it greenlit on yeah on the same facts that you're greenlighting it they'll immediately remove Michael Keaton and replace him with some other old guy right yeah the hey can can this old retired Batman can it can it be younger yeah, can he be Australian? <laughs> so, uh, so Justice League. Here's the thing about uh, this four-hour Justice League. I it, I don't think it's a very good movie, but uh, two things. Mm-hmm. One, is it an improvement? What oh, over the theatrical release? Uh-huh. E- easily, okay. easily. Okay. Um, the theatrical release is really in. I mean, as incoherent as the theatrical release is. Um, the incoherence in the Snyder cut is at least consistent with each other across the board. Right. Okay, yeah, sure. Tonally, it doesn't go off on these wild tangents because the stylistic choices of a Whedon versus a Snyder are almost polar opposites. So when you have half of their director's directorial styles punching at each other in the middle of one movie, it becomes incoherent. So, yeah, so I, I think it's it, it is a much better movie than the theatrical release. I still don't think it's very good, um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, the two things one uh, I actually found it way more watchable than I thought I was going to, and so to Snyder's credit, I think he actually did a really damn good job pacing a four hour long movie. Uh, it. And and breaking it up into the six se- the six chapter segments, essentially making them you know TV episodes, um, I, I worked uh, worked well, uh, and you know so just when I was kind of nodding off or getting super bored, it would shift a chapter and kind of uh, reengage me. And so you know to his credit, there I actually I think that was a pretty good job. Was a four hour long version of the Snyder Cut necessary? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's essentially all the DVD extras strung together, edited together really well. Uh, but there's so much of it that is absolutely unnecessary. All the Martian Manhunter stuff is unnecessary. It, but it, this, it, was, this was his, you know, there's, this there's was his all these vision. bits and pieces. That's right. the idea. Right. It's no, the... no, I, I know. I know that. Um, and, and, but that leads me to my other point is as critical as I am of it, I actually am kind of glad he got to finish it mm-hmm. um, for you know two reasons. One, you know, I, I do believe in uh, some sort of artistic vision, whether it's successful or not. Uh, and I, I believe, you know, in an artistic endeavor, the artist, uh, you know, deserves the shot at mm-hmm. uh, finishing, you know, whatever the project is and, and putting it out there. Um, so I was uh, actually kind of glad he got to finish that after the tragic circumstances. Um, and then, you know, the, it just was this kind of like a perfect storm of the time. There's no other time in in cinema history before or after the Snyder cut when something like this will be possible like mm-hmm. a huge tentpole movie that gets another 70 million dollars to be completed to the director's original vision the only reason it happened is because of streaming services and the rise of streaming services 
and Warner HBO want wanting and needing some coupled with stake the to put in the ground to the set pandemic. them aside. Yeah. yeah, and and so it became this thing that was like, oh, we can use this to bring in subscribers, and it's something that we will be able to get a more long tail return on through the streaming service. They would never have been able to to get through a theatrical release or even a Blu-ray sales. Uh, so, uh, so you know, so I think it was just this perfect circumstance of the time that allowed this to happen. Um, so, you know, I you know I'll give uh, you know. Uh, my, I don't know, thumbs up or whatever we do when we're talking about movies, uh, to that side of it because that I can at least appreciate that on, uh, on on the on the craft level. Sure. Because I get it's, that. you know because and again it's like you know it's like you know I give Snyder a lot of shit for uh, the story choices he makes, but he's act- but technically he's a very good director. Like he can put together images really really well. Um, so it's, you know, he, he, he's kind of on that kind of like Michael Bay side mm-hmm. of, of film directors where I he's very never agree Bay. with any substantive choice in terms of character or story, but, but damn, they can visualize what they're trying to shoot and then get it shot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's not easy to do. No. So no, I yeah I give not. I give credit for that but uh yeah but so but yeah so overall I kind of watched it you know and uh you know you gotta look at your phone while you're watching it and you know, sitting at home and doing it so it was a perfect I had to make dinner and stuff so <laughs> it was a perfectly yeah. entertaining enough way to pass a couple of evenings because I didn't watch it all in one sitting I watched it in two so basically did I. two nights yeah two nights um but uh so yeah so overall um. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. Um, out of all all this, all, probably actually quite honestly, out of all the Snyder DC movies, the three ones he's done, uh, it's probably the one I enjoyed the most. If I'm being if I'm being absolutely honest, I liked it definitely liked it better than, than Batman v Superman, and uh, pretty sure I liked it better than Man of Steel because Man of Steel's got a lot of slow plotting points in it that uh drag me around and uh so justice this. league actually ha- does have slow bits too but they don't last nearly as long and then pops over to something else well because of the chapter breaks maybe yeah I yeah no and and there's a, there's more characters to run around with so he had to be a lot more deft with his editing um and and he did a good job with the pacing so yeah yeah especially if you look at it as a, a tv show and you look at it as uh, binge watching a miniseries. It's a lot yeah. easier to tolerate yeah. than if you're asked to watch a four-hour movie. That said, uh, I didn't. There wasn't enough in this four-hour cut that made me happier than the two and a half-hour theatrical version. Like I don't. It added nothing to my particular life. You mean you didn't think um, that like uh, what felt like a forty-five minute long slow motion sequence of Jason Momoa uh, drinking that whiskey shirtless and walking into the ocean didn't uh, do it for you? No, that that was fun. I'm mean, I'm not negating Momosa or his shirtlessness. That's great. <laughs> See uh, that you don't. <laughs> uh, that stuff is great. That's not like it wasn't four hours of that either you know if it had been four hours of mimosa just like 
yelling at people while half submerged in a cold ocean. <laughs> uh, I probably would have been like, oh, this is, I totally get why Snyder needed to do this. But I, you know, there was a lot of, uh, the four, three aspect ratio uh, was hugely problematic for me. I don't understand it. Uh, I don't. Well, I think he did it because I think uh, some of the stuff that I've read, and I don't know how much of this is true or how much of this is kind of George Lucasy retconning himself. So it it seems like there was it was the plan all along kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've read was that the original plan way back when when they were shooting it was that it was going to be an IMAX release. Uh, and so it, it was shot in the square format for IMAX. Oh, I see. And and the 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 Whedon theatrical release was uh, cropped into the more uh, cinematic like widescreen. a like a Nolan film. Yeah. So yeah, specifically like a Nolan film. So I, from what I've read, the. It has been said that the original intention was that it was gonna there was gonna be a huge IMAX release, which is why it's in that square format. So that is the original choice. Um, and you know, if that's true, then then that makes sense. And I understand why you wouldn't want to just arbitrarily chop that to widescreen because then you're losing all that information from the uh, from what, the, what the way you framed it originally. You, yeah, what for the, so so you know, eh, all, all right, like. Honestly, that's the least of the aspect is the least of my problems uh, with uh, Justice League as a movie. <laughs> oh, it's it's first and foremost my biggest problem with the four hour version is uh, an IMAX aspect ratio in a format that is not IMAX. I don't get it. I think maybe it didn't bother me as much because I've also recently, which is also on HBO Max, have been uh, rewatching uh, the newly HD remastered Babylon 5 uh, TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's all in its uh, old 4.3 uh, original aspect ratio from the 90s. So <laughs> sw- swapping from, you know, that uh, straight into Justice League, it, it, it didn't feel like anything was changing that much for me. <laughs> I get. I did not watch an episode of the A Team or Cheers before I enjoyed. Justice you should have. League. That was that was your that was your mistake, mm-hmm. not Zach's. I it, watching this, like thinking less about the the movie and superheroes and all that shit. Like this was treated with the same level of reverence. This cut that other directors cuts before were treated with and this one was called for by fans which is weird like people were screaming for the Snyder cut as if Zack Snyder was somehow the victim of a uh, a cancel culture or whatever uh, which I yeah. don't think he was. I mean, no. I think he left the project because of personal reasons that were horrifying. Yeah, and no, and he and he mentioned and he mentioned at one point that he had a four-hour cut, like an assembly cut, um, that he had done before he left the project, and that's what started the release the Snyder cut fan. You know, it was like, well, then release the shit, but it's like, no, it was an assembly cut. It was an unfinished. It's work in progress it's basically like every big tentpole movie has a four-hour cut assembly cut uh before it 
it reaches its actual release cut. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where that all started. Uh, and but but yeah, then it, be, it hit this level of fervor in some circles with some fans who. Uh, Let's just say there are some uh, popular culture fans who sometimes seem to take things a little too far for no good reason. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you mean. Um, And, you know, so, yeah, I think um, there was a bit of uh, that going on with, uh, I don't know, toxic, uh, insane, uh, trollish... I, I, I guess I was both surprised by the level of uh, sycophantic adoration there is for Zack Snyder and whatever he'll do, um, but also an equal and opposite amount of uh, vitriol. Of like unnecessarily uh, 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 hating him, you yeah. know, just just because you don't like his movies, it's like yeah, no, it's it's weird. He he does kind of he does kind of um, seems to generate this. You either you know are a, uh, a unrelenting you know fanboy uh, who thinks he's a god, or you know you're you absolutely despise anything and everything he stands for. And, uh, and, you know, and he's, and he's some sort of cinematic monster. Well, yeah. And the reason why both, both, both points of view are, are equally ridiculous. They make, neither of them make no sense because to me, uh, you know, and I, I, I'm a huge champion of his remake of Dawn of the Dead, but, I like that. I like Donna. I like his Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun. totally fun. fun it's it, just a fun zombie movie. And we, of course, saw Sucker Punch together in the movie theater. And I, yeah, I did not care for Sucker Punch. I, I didn't either, but I do find it like a fascinating thing to watch, like on a failure of a movie level. Like it's it. There's bad movie stuff to enjoy about it, but I guess what I'm saying about Zack Snyder is one way or the other: good movie, bad movie. What you think about him, or you don't. It's weird that he he generates so much passion because uh, to me his movies from his best to his worst are fully corporate. I mean they're they're commercial exercises. There's no this isn't an indie movie maker. This isn't uh uh this isn't Roman Polanski. You know, like it 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 it's not that level of controversy either personally or artistically. Yeah. And so why are people passionate about it? I mean, Zack Snyder's, he just seems like a, it, it, I, he's going to take this the wrong way. I'm sure if he listens, but oh, I'm sure, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's going to listen. He, he, he seems like a workhorse, just a, a gun for hire type director. He doesn't seem well, to me to I, be, uh, to well, be this auteur. I don't think you can be an auteur director and also helm uh, I can, uh, IP I mean, f- stuff on the level that he does. I well, just I can, t- yeah, I mean, I can, I can tell, I mean, I've actually met him. Uh, so, you know, I can speak to a little bit about that from, I mean, this was what, 10 plus years ago when he was in pre-production for Watchmen. Right. 
And I mean, I, you know, the story I've told you this, Um, but, uh, uh, for the sake of the podcast, uh, and, uh, for full disclosure, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, back when you you watch me some pre-production, I don't think it had started shooting yet or anything. Um, I I was uh, working in video games and with the, the studio I was at at the time, we got a meeting to go, uh, with Warner brothers to pitch some games Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, one of the and and they wanted to hear pitches for properties, uh, and a couple of the properties were three three hundred and Watchmen, and so and so uh, uh, we went in there and 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 for some reason we had to have a meeting with Zach. I don't know why it was necessary to uh, meet with with Snyder. Um, I guess because it must have been even back then. I must he must whatever his deal was. Uh, with Warner probably included some sort of sign off or okay on any kind of peripheral stuff to do with the IP. Which sure, guess, sure. Because because he was in the middle of paper, he had better things to do with. Yeah, he had to attend point, this to, meeting. Yeah, yeah, than to waste a couple hours in uh, a Con- video game pitch meeting. Contractually obligated. Yeah, is what he. Yeah, wanted. so that's probably what it was. Um, uh, uh, si- similar to probably a lot similar to the pitch meeting I have with John Carpenter. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but John Carpenter's but like he was, if yeah. he's cranky, if John Carpenter's cranky at you, you're like, ah, oh, I met John Carpenter. Yeah, it's fine. No, and it wasn't. Yeah, but with him, it was just like, wait a minute, I've been told wrong information about how video games are made. That's what he was. That's where that came from. <laughs> so, was, so, but anyway, yeah, but so, but but with Snyder, um. He was actually uh, very nice, very personable, very engaged, um, and uh, and he was really happy to kind of show what he was doing with Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I didn't a- agree with a lot of it, his take on it, um, but um, but he was definitely very passionate about it and and wanting to engage on it. So, you know, I didn't get the he, you know I didn't get the impression that he was you know going through any kind of numbers or anything. Uh, you know, he was whether or not you know he's corporate or artistic. He was approaching yeah. it uh, artistically, mm-hmm. uh, the material. So it wasn't an exercise to him. It was this awesome thing he was doing. Um, so so yeah. So that's you know that's that's the impression I had of him. You know, as a in person meeting. So you know, and and you know, ever since then, I've always been like, oh boy, I hope it never turns out that he's one of these awful Hollywood monsters that has done terrible things. And so far, he's and so far, he, yeah, it just seems to be. Yeah. you know, uh, he's got uh, his critics about his work, but not. Yeah, but it, that's he's not but, a yeah. behind the scenes monster. Yeah, I'll take I'll take I, that over a yeah, yeah. monster any day. I I I have no judgment on Zack Snyder's character or. No, he was a really nice guy. Or whatever. I, 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 I just, my only reaction to all of this is how passionate people actually are about Zack Snyder. And his body of work doesn't suggest to me something that would be that divisive, that, uh, you know, it's triggering. We, it's- yeah, it's a, it's it's weird that it's like and I mean it's within I guess a certain segment of the population that are with the population of like, you know, comic book fans. It's that subset that is so possessive of mm-hmm. certain material uh that 
uh, and it's not, I mean, it's, there's different types of, of fans that are like this too. There's film fans, uh, certain type, yeah, that had the same kind of, um, I, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but there's, you know, a certain level of obsession with, uh, their, uh, their, you know, pop culture item of choice. A, f- that, a fervor. Yeah, yeah. It's a very, fer- yeah. it's a fervor that they can, it's, it's, irrational it's you they can't abide any kind of criticism they can't handle any kind of contrary opinion um and it, it it's a weird thing yeah. uh, that i don't quite understand because you know i've got my uh pop culture obsessions as as much as as anybody else um and you know like like star trek mm-hmm. uh and we can talk about the director's cut of star trek the motion picture which could be a convenient segue uh, and <laughs> slow down fella uh, slow down but uh <laughs> you know but i i'm not so insane about it that you know, I can't handle criticism or I can't stand next to someone who doesn't like Star Trek. Yeah, um, I, I think that's it's it, 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 it's crazy to be angry at somebody for liking or disliking something that you like on it, 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 as far as uh, art as commerce is concerned. Or, or, at any least, art, or, really. or, or at least to be, you know, once it's established that there's this gulf between like and dislike and it's a, it's a pop culture thing. So it's not that big a deal then to be able to at least go, well, whatever, you know, that's to each their own. It's okay. Cause it's not like, it's, it's it's not like, it's not like it's the difference between like, you know, well, you know, I think all people should be equal and I think Nazis are pretty great. You know, it's not that kind of argument (laughs) where you know, but people make it reasonable to get upset and (laughs) yeah, but people make it that way. That's yeah. the, that's what's it, it, it irritating, I guess, about pop culture for me currently is people <laughs> treat it like the the Whedon cut versus the Snyder cut is Nazis versus not Nazis, and that's crazy to me. There are uh, yeah just uh, superhero movies, I guess is I, I just don't get it. But at the same time, I do understand like you were talking about the Star Trek movie, and you know if we're bridging this into like, the whole thing about director's cuts is very interesting to me. So this was, I think, a lot of marketing. Like, Blair Witch Project level deep marketing on yeah. this. But, it, you know, just different in that it may, like, pitted nerds against nerds. This is this camp of nerds and this camp of nerds, and we're going to scream at each other, and then it's going to come out. We're going to scream at each other more about it. Yeah, and, um, and, and, and in the meantime, HBO is going to collect their subscription fees from both camps. Yeah, thank you, idiots. Here, thank you. Um, but, you know, in the, in the past, for me, I've been excited about director's cuts, but it wasn't because I thought, in general, it's not because I thought that the theatrical release was an error. You know, it was just the director would say, I mean, the first one I always think of is uh, uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I see I grew up watching it on a VHS tape, you know, uh, with the I, you know, in VHS in the States, it was the European theatrical cut. So you got the uh, you got Rutger Howard's thumbs going into. Oh, yeah. The, into Tyrell's, Tyrell's eyes. Yeah. eyes 
you know, that's what I grew up with, with that bit of gore in it. So that's, you know, how I remembered it. And it had the narration with Harrison Ford Dolly right. explaining what's happening in the movie. And, you know, it was always a visually interesting movie. But then when, oh, the director didn't, that's not what he meant. Oh, so this is interesting. And then you watch that and the director's cut of Blade Runner, I would argue, is far superior to the original theatrical and VHS stateside release. Um, Because, one, it doesn't have the narration. Two, it's longer. Things linger and it's a slow burn noir-ish movie. So it makes sense for things to happen that way. But then... You know, so that was a thing. And I was like, oh, cool. I, I liked that. Oh, Coppola has a director's cut of Apocalypse Now? That sounds interesting because I remember what happened with Blade Runner. And that was fascinating. It was better. And Apocalypse Now, in my estimation, the director's cut, ruins... 100% destroys everything that was good about Apocalypse Now, as More I like understood. like Apocalypse No. <laughs> yeah. But maybe there are some people who think that the, the, like, hanging out with the French people and the Playboy models in the jungle with Crash Planes, is that's, that's where it's at. But I don't, I think it ruined it, everything I thought was cool about the movie, when I first saw it, was ruined by the director's cut. So these these different things can happen. Or you can have uh, Justice League, which I didn't give a shit about to begin with, and then you make it four hours and I don't care still. <laughs> so, like, what... Are these things good for cinematic culture or not? Well, I, I think they're good in the sense that if the director's cut is for better or for worse the director's intention you know as a you know like you know for coppola i I can't remember what the what the reasoning was behind the director's cut if it was like oh the studio made me cut out the french plantation bit and all this other stuff um it was studio battles i lost uh in order to get the film released that kind of stuff um i'm all for it uh i i I, I do want to see that intention. And in a lot of cases, it's also a good education in terms of there, some directors, uh, you know, are better at editing themselves than others. Uh, and the director's cut becomes a, you know, in the case of a Blade Runner, uh, in, in the case of like, no, this was the original story, the original vision, and these are the changes I made. Um, and, uh, and in some cases, it becomes like a Coppola apocalypse now, where it's like, I just want to put in all the stuff I cut, um, even though it might mess up the pace. Um, I'm not necessarily thinking about it. Or then you even get something weird, like, what was the, like the Coen Brothers Blood Simple director's cut? They just where cut, they like cut two minutes? Uh, yeah, they cut, <laughs> not even, they cut 60 seconds out of yeah. So and not like, all in one place. It was, yeah, no, it's a, that's like it super surgical. Seconds <laughs> at the beginning and ends of scenes. That sounds like a Coen Brothers being like, <laughs> "We're gonna fuck with it," like a marketing thing. 
they want to do a re-release of this. They want a director's cut. We'll make it shorter. Nobody does yeah. that. That sounds very Coen Brothers to me. That's not a negative statement. That's a very positive one uh, for the Coen Brothers, despite the fact that I have seen Lady Killers. And that's enough <laughs> to get anyone canceled in this cancel culture we're living in. <laughs> living in. Lady Killers. <laughs> well, maybe the director's cut is better. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, you know, there's... There's so few director's cuts that I think are good or an improvement. I mean, a Blade Runner stands out. Um, but when I think of most extended cuts, like, okay. Extended, Blade Runner, ex- Brazil. Yeah, Brazil's better. Uh, Brazil's better, for sure. Um, Blade Runner in Brazil, what else? I think the director's cut of Star Trek the motion picture is uh, better than the original yeah but that, we're getting a little apples and oranges in there with the Star Trek movies because they're both they're both problematic on the same level but yes the director's cut is better because you just hang out with the uh, uh, Enterprise space docking porn longer yeah. And that's the only good thing about Star Trek, the motion picture, was, yeah, the Oh, the come sex. on. Come on. Uh, DeForest Kelly's hippie beard? No, no. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, Let's, y- you know what I mean. I mean, Star Trek, the out, motion you're picture. you out the best part. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's Everything great. out there we don't know what it is called a thing. But it's only for Trekkies. It's not a... Yeah, Star I Trek, think it's the also motion inter- picture I think that it's I saw just in the terms of, as a child. In terms like, of in just a pure... Uh, uh, examination of craft it's actually a pretty good uh, director's cut just because of what was done there was stuff that was restored but there was also it was it's really I think it I think it's actually really more of like a half director's cut half restoration mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of job yeah. and um, because you know there was some director's cuts director's stuff that wise restored but there was also mostly um, cleaning up uh, a lot of the special effects and and realizing some of the effects that they couldn't do back in the 70s that they could do with uh, CGI now. And they actually, like, I, I'm pretty sure it's ILM that did all that stuff, even the rest, even the restored CGI stuff. I, I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look it up. This isn't an accurate podcast. It's uh, not about accuracy. Yeah. But they, they do they did a really amazing job matching the style of the special effects and and melding the the CGI um with the film grain and that's true uh, about and the, the look of uh, that it's really it's yeah. really really hard it's, to see it's true what's about, different in the yeah. effects and it's, there's actually a lot that's different it's true so, about the enhanced uh, original series on blu-ray they did those yeah. remasters on blu-ray yeah. and they changed the effects I see what you're saying. I, I, I guess what I'm asking is most of the time when I see something that's a director's cut, it's just longer or it has a scene that was cut for whatever reason. Like you, you watch Lethal Weapon. There's all The first three Lethal Weapons all have a Donner cut, right. as does Superman 2. Well, Superman, Super, Superman and Superman 2 because there's a Superman. Or is the Superman, the longer Superman cut was just the TV cut? Yeah, it's just a TV cut. But didn't the, I can't remember if they ever like build that as a director's cut or not. 
I don't know. No, no. I mean, the Superman that I have has a longer cut, which is like 15 minutes longer. Uh, that was probably for TV, but it doesn't say director's cut. But I the think Richard it's like an extended cut, which is the TV. But Super Superman two, two does has have a, the, the a, a, a proper director's which cut, which is for me personally a great example of a director's cut that's boring and not good. Yeah, uh, I don't get why people like the Donner cut. I, uh, maybe it's because I I didn't read the comic books or whatever. But the original Superman two is an action movie uh, with Terrence Stamp in it. Yeah. Uh, the Donner cut of Superman 2 is a, a dramatic movie with super powered characters. And there's not a lot of action and it goes on for a long time. I didn't get it. Yeah. I, am I wrong? I mean, the, I don't I, think I don't think you're wrong. I like the theatrical better than the than the Donner uh, as well. I mean, I don't. I honestly don't know how much of that just has to do with the fact that I those I saw those movies when I was a kid. So you know, the theatrical releases for stuff you know in the eighties has got a a harder imprint mm, on my on my me, on my memory and nostalgia than anything else. So um, that that could be a factor. But no, but but I think you're you're right in general that it a director's cut typically isn't any better in any significant way than the theatrical release. Um, it's usually just longer. Or it, you get something weird, like payback. Oh, yeah. Which is also... Uh, uh, the original cut of payback is awful. Like, <laughs> like Mel Gibson was 100% correct in all the changes he made to payback. Yeah. Before it was released in theaters. And I, I hate to take the side... Of Mel Gibson. Of, of Mel Gibson. But, uh, you know, it's impossible not to acknowledge this truth. I have both of them, uh, both cuts. And Payback was only released on Blu-ray in the director's cut format, which is not good. It's not good. It's a mess. It doesn't work. It's really yeah. weird. It, you like, the footage isn't that different from version to version, but the way is Helgeland is that his name? Who's the guy who originally? Oh, oh right, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, Brian, Brian Helgeland. Brian, Brian Helgeland, 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 Helgeland. It's one of yeah. The the what the one that Mel Gibson took over that wound up in theaters is a very fun action thriller kind of crime noirish action sort of revenge thriller thing. yeah and the the one that uh the helgeland originally intended is just dull that's all it is it's boring <laughs> everybody is boring it's not in, like the darkness that the characters are doing that is sort of maybe irresponsibly celebrated in the mel gibson version is yeah. basically not there it's just it's a drab affair. It, it, that's all it is. And it's it, it's just weird that sometimes when the money people come in and give you notes, it's for the best. That's uh, that's well, all. Well, yeah, saying. and that's where it's it's hard it's hard to tell. And yeah, and then when you get in a position where you've got all the money and can do what you want, you get, you know, 10 different increasingly bad cuts of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, if there's too many yes people in your life, then you wind up with 
Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where yeah, and, like and literally nobody, yeah. nobody involved in the project is telling the boss men this is a bad idea, or the yeah. boss men, this is stupid, you guys. This is not going to play well. It's going to look stupid with the effects that even the most money can afford. It's still going to seem stupid. Nobody said that to them. Yeah, zero people. Um, I guess I'm more of a. I mean, most of my friends are very critical of me. As a person, so I'm not in any danger of making a kingdom of the crystal skull. <laughs> Good friends. Yeah, no, we're we're watching out for you. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> I just <laughs> so I, the Snyder cut is very interesting because of the f- fervent element of the internet. And fanboys and all that, but it did really make me think about director's cuts and what they are and what they mean. It's like it, like so many well, of them and- ruin the movie. I mean, it's not, uh, Apocalypse Now did. There was a director's cut or an extended cut. Maybe it was just called extended cut of Jacob's Ladder, which is uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, and the extended cut ruins it. It ruins it. It makes it awful. It's really weird, um, but I think. Well, but it's like some of those are like, you know, when, you know, when it says director's cut, there's the implication that the director was in some way involved in anything else, like your extended cuts or your special editions or whatever. Then that's like a little more like gray area of like, well, was this just the marketing department? Yeah, we're just we've jamming. got this footage yeah. jamming in there so we can crank out another Blu-ray edition. It's like that. It's like uh, uh, the uh, the Aliens special edition, which oh, has the, all of that all of that colony yeah, stuff so at the bad. beginning that was cut from the theatrical release. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's like, and you know, as a little episode on its own, it's not bad. It's fine. It's got characters in mm-hmm. it and doing mm-hmm. stuff, but when put in the context of the movie, it ruins like the tension and the mystery of the first, you know, 40 minutes of, uh, of yeah. The Cause you know why, yeah, you know exactly what's happened. So you're just like waiting, you're waiting for the characters in the movie to catch, to up, catch to up to you. Yeah. 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 I hate that. I hate when that happens in movies. So, so as an artifact, it's kind of fun to watch after you've seen the original, but like, you know, I, Anybody that would see that for the first time is like having that movie ruined for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know. It'd be interesting to talk to somebody who had only seen that version and what the movie was like for them versus what it was like for us. I don't know. It would be interesting. Because maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't. Because we're only retroactively going well the tension was in, it, this movie's intense I mean, that's too- kind of like that's like you just describe everything we do on this podcast retro retroactively doing <laughs> really responding to things that have been done and complaining <laughs> well we are the consumers <laughs> and what else should we do like it's consumers of movies. Like, uh, do you just ingest the film and then let it go, or I do think you talk to your friends about it? It feels like maybe we're like not as popular as we could be because we don't get as uh, 
inexplicably upset over uh, movies. We just get disappointed by them or we enjoy them. <laughs> That's and and then we move on and then like we don't be like you know we don't we don't rend our garments uh, when uh, we don't like something or someone uh, disagrees. I think maybe we should become more reactive on that level. Uh, yeah, I think that we would get we would uh, probably uh, grow our audience. Uh, should regularly like just monologue into our phones. Uh, streaming on the Film Pigs website about what we're upset about currently. I think we're gonna have to like start uh, getting into fights on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll do that. Yeah, and uh... I honestly, there's enough like the pandemic. I've I've learned or been introduced to so many new uh, movies that I probably wouldn't have watched anyway, even as a genre nut. Uh, that irritated me um, like to no end <laughs> and maybe what I should do is start screaming about that as it's happening to me <laughs> well you can, you can live stream now so it, like usually what happens is I'll be on a zoom watch party with friends or family and lose my shit and they have to deal with it and it's not recorded Right, and you really should be putting that on the internet for yeah. everyone to have to deal with. Me berating people about the stupid fucking movie we're watching that they had no, they didn't do anything. And they were probably per- enjoying perfectly fine <laughs> on their own until you've ruined the evening for everyone. They thought it was fine. <laughs> but it, I stand by my uh, stance on Red Dot. It's not, it's not okay. The remake? Is that a remake? Wait, what, did, what movie did you say? I thought you said Red Dawn. No, no, not Red Dawn, no. Oh, Red Dawn is excellent. Uh, Red Dot is a movie I watched. And oh, I, didn't, I haven't seen Red Dot. It's like a, it's a, like a horror survivalist thriller deal, uh, probably made in Sweden, Norway. Okay. I don't know. Is it's the a, Red Dot like the laser yeah. Site? Yeah, okay. And it's a really it, it it was very frustrating and I and my poor brother-in-law was on this you know like on the Netflix party or whatever it was and I started being like what the fuck is it like mad and he was just like dude it does, it's just a doesn't matter. Like that's you know he's laid back and I was upset about how um flippant this movie was about humanity and just the general nature of human beings and then the twist was i don't i don't want to give away the twist i guess but it, it just it, it left me feeling uh, hollow and sad about humanity and in, inside and not in a fun way like like a saw movie or the collector or something where at least i get to watch assholes get murdered on the way to feeling bad about myself like this was just watching these two idiots go camping and making bad choices and then it kept going. I, I don't know. I I, uh, I get being upset about movies. I do. I just don't understand being upset about uh, Justice League. Ever. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I guess maybe it's channeling rage at something else, funneling it into... Maybe that's your, it. Your, object, your one object of enjoyment. 
Yeah, if you love the comic book movie too much, then anything can be an affront on it. I mean, I guess I'm lucky in that, like, my genres are horror and, like, 1980s action movies, so, like, you, it's hard to ruin that shit. Well, but I also, it's like, it's weird that it's like, I, you know, you know, kind of drifting off of director's cuts, but, uh, like, it's it's hard to relate to someone who just on any on a basic communicative level who can't handle the fact that you don't like something that they really like mm-hmm. the, and 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 that thing is just a piece of pop culture or vice versa you like something yeah that no no somebody yeah, or, else yeah, hates or, or the reverse it does level. it doesn't really matter but it's like you know it's like okay you know it's you know, everybody's got the stuff that they like that gives them some sort of uh, comfort and, and ease and enjoyment, and other people hate that and like something else, and that's fine. Uh, I don't give a shit. You know, that like the fact that, you know, if somebody hates Star Trek or Babylon 5, it doesn't bother me uh, because, you know, why would it? <laughs> Well, when people tell me they don't like Steven Seagal, I say, you're correct. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. He's a monster. He's a not good person, and his movies aren't very Any- good. Anyway, would you would you like to see my uh, completed collection of all <laughs> of the Blu-rays? Because I have a problem. I cannot stop buying them. <laughs> my name is Todd Anderson. Hey, you know, we all have our things that we have to deal with, we have to sort out, we have to work through. You know, and maybe some yours, of our f- friends get dragged yeah, down. Yours, yours are Steven Seagal Blu-rays. <laughs> well, I get them on DVD too. Whatever's, <laughs> they're not whatever's, all. Whatever's the most obsolete format. <laughs> they're not all available do right you, away. On can the, you get? Do you, how many? How many uh, Steven Seagal movies do you have on VHS C? Oh, I've thrown out all my Seagal on VHS. I did have a lot of VHS. Uh, I don't know about the C's, but there was a lot of Seagal VHS, but I don't have any anymore. It's all discs now. I should have kept the VHS. I regret it, but it was a spa- it's space. It's because of space. Yeah. I don't no. have any... Like you can fit upwards of five or six shitty Steven Seagal movies in DVD form than than <laughs> that you can in the space of one VHS shitty tape of Steven Seagal movies. <laughs> it's all about square footage. So yeah, it's just efficiency. It's just efficiency. <laughs> all right. Uh, there's never been a director's cut of a Steven Seagal film. There's never been a, a director of a Steven Seagal film. <laughs> It's just a guy Seagal screams at for the entire shooting process. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to ask Andrew Davis about it. Is he still alive? I don't know. We should find out, and if he is, we should get him on the show. Oh, yeah. No, uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get right on that. He'll do it. I'm sure he loves podcasts. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Davis? He, the fugitive guy? Who doesn't love podcasts? I'll bet we could get him and Harrison Ford on a podcast. Oh, sure. In no time. Yeah. Because they just love talking about their work. There's nothing Harrison Ford likes more than sitting down in front of a microphone (laughs) and conversing. (laughs) 
He does. Uh, I don't think he does. Should we um, wrap this? Uh, wrap oh this yeah, no. Up? Like we we petered out to a halt about nine minutes ago, so I we should probably wrap it up. I, well, I don't know what people expect us to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pandemic. <laughs> it's like we're hanging out talking. Yeah. We were supposed to talk about director's cuts for an hour. We got to fifty minutes. And we ran out of steam. What are you gonna yeah. do? Director's cuts are. I guess the. The thesis here is director's cuts aren't that interesting. No, it's a real... Yeah, you're probably, like, guessing one or two out of ten. Yeah, one or two out of ten. Twenty. One okay. out of twenty is okay. Interesting. It's like uh, it's like Frank Grillo movies. One in twenty. <laughs> I still like them, though, because it, if there's any chance it actually is what the director intended... Even if it is worse than what was released, I still like that opportunity. I get that, and I'm the same way about Grillo movies because all of them have Frank Grillo. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not going to be disappointed on that level.